G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Coming up today on The Story. We've met Satanists who have given their lives to Christ. Uh, and, and we've met people who are atheists and Satanists who are still atheists and still Satanists that are Striper fans. So, you know, my hopes and, and prayers are that maybe in, in some small way or some big way, you know, we're having a positive effect on them, maybe tugging at their hearts and they're hearing the message because our, our message is very clear. The story. The story. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, a special one for you today as Eric Scatterbo has a chat with Michael Sweet, who's the voice of the legendary Christian heavy metal band Striper. He'll share with us some of the ups and downs of his life journey, including the positive impact Striper's had on many non-Christian listeners. Also, Michael will share about some of the personal struggles he's gone through. All that and more is coming up today on The Story. Michael Sweet, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Glad to have you with us. And where are you joining us from today? I am outside of Boston, Massachusetts, in the good old U.S. of A., and um, I live in a town called Plymouth, Massachusetts. Okay, well, we want to find out about your current activities and your solo acoustic tour, but first we want to find out a little bit about your background and the Michael Sweet story. Where were you born and raised? I was born in Whittier, California, uh, 1963, July, uh, and I was raised primarily in California. We moved back to Oklahoma when I was a kid, when I was in the third grade, my mom was originally from that area, and my dad worked for the railroad, Southern Pacific, and he was relocated. So we went there, mm-hmm. and then about a little over a year later, we came, went back to California, and uh, I stayed in California until moving to Massachusetts in 1995 with my family. And I've been here ever since, 1995. Okay, and getting back to your childhood, you played music with your brother. My, my brother's a drummer, yeah. Uh, I joined his band when I was 12 years old, believe it or not. Wow, going way back. Way, way back. And uh, he was looking for a singer. My dad kept saying, you should try audition your brother, audition your brother. He finally did. You know, he's three years older than me. So mm-hmm. when I was 12, he was 15. So he was much older and more mature and into different things and, and whatnot. But he auditioned me and it worked. And the rest is history, I guess, as they say. Wow. And was faith a part of your family growing up? It was. We actually came to know the Lord through uh, Jimmy Swaggart. Oh, okay. And we would watch him on television, and then we all said the sinner's prayer right in front of the television. Then we found a church and got into a, a church and went to church every Sunday and uh, sometimes uh, Wednesday evenings and Sunday evenings. And then, you know, music started kind of pulling me away and uh, pulling me out of church and, and taking me somewhat uh, in a different direction, different path of my faith, and uh, got involved in the whole rock scene and everything that goes along with that. Mm-hmm. 
And then, you know, fast forward to the age of 20, uh, I accepted Christ when I was 12, and then the age of 20, rededicated my life. And that's when we became Striper, and we dedicated the band to God as well. Now, were you already kind of in the rock music scene at that time before you rededicated your life? Oh, yeah. We were out playing all the clubs in, uh, in L.A., Whiskey mm-hmm. A Go-Go, Troubadour, Gazaris, uh, and, and we were caught up and involved in that scene uh, basically 100%. You know, and what I mean by that is drinking and smoking and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, all all the stuff that goes along, the cliche stuff that yeah. you know they say goes along with that, it does, and and we we got we let it uh, unfortunately you know consume us and got caught up in that, and we just got tired of it uh, early on. Having known God and had a relationship with God, we we pulled ourselves and got out of that scene mm-hmm. at an early age. Again, I was 20 years old when I rededicated my life and decided to take a different path. And I, no looking back ever since. I'm, I'm 56 now, mm-hmm. and uh, there's been no regrets whatsoever. So it wasn't just you, it was the other members of the group as well. Yeah, my brother, who's the drummer. Mm-hmm. So the two of us, and then Oz uh, Fox, who his name is Richard Martinez. Uh, he became Oz Fox, and he, he rededicated his life with us. Uh, because he was also raised in a Christian family as well, Christian mm-hmm. home as well. And then when we started looking for a bass player, we found Tim, uh, Timothy Gaines, who was also raised in a Christian home. His dad was a minister, and he left his band to uh, devote his life to God and met us and joined our band, who decided to, as a band, devote our band to God. So it was really, really interesting and very cool how it worked out. Yeah. Now, normally when somebody becomes part of a Christian group, they kind of leave the uh, nightclub scene and go into playing churches. But uh, I understand you kind of did things differently. Is that right? Yeah. You know, not to disrespect anyone that does that or take anything away from it, but, you know, our calling was the complete opposite. Mm -hmm. It was to take the message to the clubs and into the world. I I never really understood, you know, if you want to reach people, you got to get out of the church and Mm -hmm. go outside the church. And and that's the way we've always thought. So still to this day, we play clubs. We Mm -hmm. play uh, regular rock shows with other rock bands, uh, mainstream, secular, as you might say, Mm -hmm. rock bands. And that's been our calling. That's kind of what we do. Um, we're not a, a, a church band. We're not a band that goes around and plays churches all the time. I and mean, mm-hmm. we do on occasion, but for the most part, no. And so you had tremendous crossover appeal. I mean, you went on tour with uh, big secular groups like Judas Priest. Is that right? Well, we toured with a number of bands. Never toured with Judas Priest, but uh, Priest is ha- has always been one of our favorite bands, musically speaking. And the crossover appeal with Striper, I think, lies in the fact that we were with a label that understood us mm-hmm. and had a vision for the band. And, and, you know, we grew up in a rock scene, so we can kind of continued that thinking in our ministry as well, with the look, with the sound, with the way we present ourselves, you know. And I think we were able to relate to a lot of kids at the time, and it, kids that liked Motley Crue understood Striper. So you had a lot of non-Christians listening to your music. Oh, yeah. Two-thirds of our sales over the years 
throughout time have been through mainstream. And you also had that kind of 80s heavy metal look uh, with the uh, hair and the eyeliner, is that right? Yep, we wear, we wore, actually I should say, uh, quite a, a decent amount of makeup, not as much as some other bands at the, t- at the time, Poison and you know, some other bands had a lot more makeup than we had on. But it, again, that was, that was part of the look, that was, mm-hmm. that was who we were. You know, and and we weren't uh, doing it to be fake or phony. It was our lifestyle. Mm-hmm. It's, it's who we were. Uh, and and the the clothes we had our own uh, look regarding our clothes, yellow and black. And you know that was something that started before we were a striper. Mm-hmm. And you know we continued on with that once we became striper. As a matter of fact, the name came from that, from that because everything was striped already. Oh, okay. So when we were trying to. Uh, come up with a new name uh, Striper was just a no-brainer because everything was yellow and black striped You're listening to The Story Today Eric Scadabo is chatting with Michael Sweet the voice of the legendary Christian heavy metal band Striper We'll hear more of his story when we return If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for we'd love to pray for you Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401-132-888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax, and this is The Story. We're back with more of Eric Scadabo chatting with Michael Sweet, the voice of the legendary Christian heavy metal band, Striper. Before the break... We heard how the band got together and some of the struggles they faced being a Christian band in the rock and roll scene. Now we're going to hear more of Michael Sweet's story. And now looking back at that time and the success of Striper, what do you think is the most gratifying for you looking back? Well, I mean, we, I look back on the past 36 years, and I, I think the most gratifying thing is the fact that, you know, in a secular world of, of metal, hard rock music, which is a pretty, pretty brutal world sometimes, or it can be, um, Striper was able to hold its own and uh, continue on and, and boldly stand on stage after stage proclaiming Christ, and I think that's pretty amazing. Uh, and, and that's certainly... The, the, what I'm most, probably most proud of is, is what, that we've stood our ground. We've never ventured from that or strayed from that, and we've never had any regrets doing so. And it's pretty amazing. Now, that had to be hard at times because I would imagine the world and secular success would have been tempting to just kind of throw off the whole Christian bit and just uh, go for a rock stardom. Certainly. It's, it's, it hasn't been an easy path. I mean, we've, we've all, you know, we've been booed at, we've had food thrown at us, uh, and we've, we've played a lo- many interesting places. You know, we've gone to, uh, you know, Indonesia and, and thrown Bibles out to primarily uh, a, a Buddhist crowd. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, we've done it all. Yeah. We've had temptations along the way. There was a time that I, I spoke openly about in my book, uh, Against the Law, in 1990, 91, into 92, uh, where our marriages almost all crumbled. And, 
you know, we were drinking, got back into drinking too much and, mm. uh, you know, falling back into that rock and roll lifestyle. And, you know, it really did a number on us. Um, but, you know, I can sit here today and tell you that, you know, we're we're in a good place and have been for many years. And, mm. and we're very, very happy with, you know, what God has done in the band, through the band and with the band. And on a spiritual level, what impact do you think you've had on your listeners' lives? Oh, man, I think we've had a, an incredible impact. I mean, we meet musicians and we meet uh, so many people who have gone on to become pastors. We've met Satanists who have given their lives to Christ. Oh, wow. Uh, and, and we've met people who are atheists and Satanists who are still atheists and still Satanists that are Striper fans. Wow. So, you know, my hopes and, and prayers are that maybe in, in some small way or some big way, you know, we're having a positive effect on them and maybe tugging at their hearts and they're hearing the message because our, our message is very clear. Mm-hmm. You know, when you hear a song like More Than a Man, God, I will follow you because you died for me, gave to me your life to set me free. Anyone who asks shall receive Jesus in their heart. It's time for you to start giving God all the glory. When you hear these words night after night, in these songs, they're powerful, and you can't deny that. And they're going to take root, and they're eventually going to grow and blossom. And that—that's my hope and my prayer. And yet, you said Satanists and non-Christians are listening to these lyrics. Yeah, I mean, we have many people over the years that we've met who are atheists, who are Satanists, who who don't believe in God or believe that there is a God, who are huge Striper fans. Wow! Many times, their favorite band. Wow. And you think, well, how can that be? And yeah. it's, it's pretty cool how, how God works, and it's pretty cool how, how things work out. Well, the Bible says that his word will not return void, so you're planting a seed. Absolutely. And, and we believe that uh, with 100% certainty, and, uh, and we've seen it, we've lived it, and mm-hmm. we still see it to this day. And then eventually in the 90s, you went on to have a solo career? I sure did. I, I left the band. I wanted to get my life in order and get my family in order. Uh, so I left the band, and I did that, and then I got back into music and pursued a solo career for a while. Then I moved back east, 1995, uh, from California to Massachusetts and started a new life, worked for the family business uh, for a number of years. Was that on a farm? Did you work on a farm? Yeah, it was a cranberry business and a and a campground. Oh wow, how'd you like that? Yeah, well, you know, it was different. Yeah, I mean, going from a rock star to working at a camp—that had to be something different. Yeah, it was very different, and I got out there and rolled up my sleeves and went to work, and I enjoyed it. I met a lot of new people and uh, enjoyed talking to people and uh, the weather and the, the the time, just hanging out, lots of campfires and. Just really some good time shared and, and great memories from that. But, you know, music's my calling. Mm-hmm. While I was out working in the Cranberry Bogs, uh, I was writing songs. Oh, wow. And uh, after a few years of that, I wound up writing an entire album called Truth mm-hmm. and uh, eventually recording that, releasing it on my own. And that opened the doors to me going and signing with another label called Restless Records and then eventually led to Striper getting back together in '03. Mm-hmm. And the rest is history, as they say. Mm-hmm. Now let's turn to your personal life. You were married and had some children. Yeah, I was married for almost 23 years, and my wife passed of uh, ovarian cancer. And uh, we have two children, 
and my son's 32, almost 33, and my daughter's 28, almost 29. I'm remarried. Mm-hmm. I've been married for almost 10 years um, to Lisa, who also manages the band. <laughs> oh, wow. So um, It's a family affair. We all work hard, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone works so hard. My, my kids actually work for us from time to time. My daughter works. She's up with my wife right now working in the office, in Striper office. Mm-hmm. And my son just went out and did our merchandise a, a few weekends ago. So, you know, it's, it's all in the family. Yeah, that's great. And your current tour is an acoustic tour? Can you tell us about that? I'm doing an acoustic tour in Australia. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm performing in Sydney, uh, Melbourne, and Brisbane. And uh, I'm doing three shows. I'm leaving next Saturday. And I think I play a few days after I get there. Um, And it's going to be exciting. It's a chance for me to do my acoustic show uh, set, which is totally different from Striper. Very scaled down, Mm -hmm. intimate, personable, where I get to kind of hang out with people and talk with people one-on-one. It feels almost like people are coming to my living room and I'm performing. (laughs) We're all hanging out and sitting around and... It's a different interpretation of the songs. Can you give us a preview of one of the stories you share in concert? Well, I just t- I talk about the songs, you know, like the time uh, one song in particular was written in 1983 or 4. I tell the story behind it, how it came to be, what it's about, and then I perform it. I try to make people laugh, you know. I try to just present... Uh, an atmosphere that is, like I said, them hanging out with Michael Sweet. Mm-hmm. If they were to come here to my house and we got in a car and went and had dinner together and broke bread together and hung out, uh, that's what I try to present throughout and during the uh, acoustic set in the night, an hour and a half, roughly, hour and 40 minute long set. Uh, I just want people to get to know Michael Sweet a little mm-hmm. bit more than they, they already do know. You know, and you can't do that at a striper show because we come out, we play, and we leave the stage, and that's it. Yeah. Uh, but with the with the solo acoustic set, it's it's much more personable for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. And we can't let you go without asking you about uh, being with the classic rock group Boston. How did that come about? Well, I wound up being asked to come and perform, sing with Boston at what was supposed to be their last show. Mm-hmm. This is back in two thousand and seven. And it was right on the heels of Brad Delp, their singer, uh, committing suicide. Oh, wow. And um, I was one of many singers that was going to come out. And Ann Wilson of Heart and Mickey uh, Thomas of uh, Starship and Sammy Hagar and a bunch of singers. Mm -hmm. And they asked me to come out and sing as well. And that led to me being asked to join the band. Wow. And them deciding to continue on and keep touring. And I was one of two singers. I wound up joining as singer-guitar player, and I sang half of the set. And another guy by the name of Tommy DiCarlo sang half of the set. And I toured with them in 08. We did 56 shows with six opening. And it was really an amazing time because I felt like I was there for a purpose. Mm-hmm. I felt like I was there to help Tom Scholl's through a very difficult time and he was there to help me through a very difficult time. Oh, is that around when your wife passed away? Yeah, that was right right before she passed, but mm-hmm. it was when she was sick and mm-hmm. um, it, it was just a very dark time in my life and a very dark time in Tom's life dealing with the passing of uh, Brad Delp. 
So I felt like God had me there for mm. a purpose, for sure. So you did that for a season? I mean, that must have been great. Were you a big fan of Boston over the years? I was. I was. I grew up, uh, you know, that album, the first Boston album, really changed my life as a musician. Yeah. So to be playing with them was definitely surreal. Unfortunately, we're quickly running out of time. What would you say was your, the highlight of your career? Oh, gosh. I don't think that I've, I've seen it yet. I'm one of those guys that likes to believe that. Mm-hmm. I, I always say the best is yet to come, mm-hmm. and I really believe that it is. So I think the highlight uh, of my career it hasn't even happened yet. But, I mean, there have been many things over the years that have memorable and exciting and certainly highlights along the way. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm longing for and looking forward to uh, the biggest highlight of them all that's yet to come. Michael Sweet, thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. Hey, thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Well, that's some of the music of our guest today, Michael Sweet, the voice of the legendary Christian heavy metal band Striper for over 30 years. To find out more about Michael Sweet and his life journey, you can read his book called Honestly, My Life and Striper Revealed. Also, you can go to his website, michaelsweet.com. That's michaelsweet.com. Finally, a little bit of trivia for you. The name Striper comes from the verse in Isaiah that says... He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our inequities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Hence the name Striper, referring to what Jesus has done for us. Well, thanks for joining us for some insights into the band Striper and the Michael Sweet story. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. The Story Just another way vision is connecting faith to life.